Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. Because, Neil, you are somebody who's argued before the Supreme Court. We know that the challengers here, their lawyer, Jason Murray, this is his first time going before the Supreme Court, whereas Trump's lawyers argued before the Supreme Court five times before. Did you recognize the disparity in terms of their experience there? Or did you feel like both lawyers gave their strongest case and strongest arguments here? Yeah, I don't want to chalk it up to experience. Like, I, you know, as you say, I've had a lot of experience, but I'll certainly mess up arguments. And so experience is no, uh, you know, guarantee of anything. Um, I, I don't, so I don't want to say that, but I do want to say you know, in a case of this gravity, you need to basically call out the other side and you need to call out the court even. And so you need to say about the other side, you're gutting the Constitution, Donald Trump. What you need to say to the court is, look, you for years have staked yourself on strict construction of the document, on the original intent of the document. The original intent of the document is so clear against Donald Trump. You need to be using their methodology that they've used to say, look, you know, you've got to be consistent with what you've said before. We heard none of that today. Um, I'm not sure why, but, uh, you know, that makes it, frankly, a really easy case for the U.S. Supreme Court to decide. All of the justices, all nine, seem skeptical that one state could do this on their own. Here's Elena Kagan. I think that the question that you have to confront is why a single state should decide who gets to be president of the United States. In other words, you know, this question of whether a former president is disqualified for insurrection uh, to be president again is, you know, just say it. It sounds awfully national to me. Yes, it's a national decision. Can you imagine if one single state was allowed to decide who gets to be president? Today it's Colorado. Next time it could be Florida. I'm sorry, they what? <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> President Gore would never allow that to happen. During today's hearing, the justices seemed supportive of Trump and very skeptical of throwing him off the ballot, which was expected given that Trump appointed three of the justices on the court and another three are staunch conservatives, like Clarence Thomas, who is somehow still involved in this case despite the fact that his wife, Ginny Thomas, played a role in the January 6th coup attempt. In fact, she personally lobbied state lawmakers in Wisconsin and Arizona to overturn the election results and repeatedly texted Trump's chief of staff at the time, Mark Meadows, about some truly unhinged conspiracy theories. How is it possible that Thomas has not recused himself from this case? His spouse was directly involved. It'd be like if I told a joke in my monologue about a Florida woman who tried to smuggle meth onto a flight inside a pet snake but didn't tell you that woman was my wife and... And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 11th of February, year of our Lord, 2024. Oh, it didn't go well for him. Didn't go well. They thought they could get rid of Trump and that would take care of it, but it didn't work. So we're going to cover Biden's 
press conference gaffe and a little woke today. I'm going to play the press conference, the best part of it, because I think it's very important that we acknowledge this man. Thank you, and I'll take some questions. President Biden, something the special counsel said in his report is that one of the reasons you were not charged is because, in his description, you are a well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. I'm well-meaning, and I'm an elderly man, and I know what the hell I'm doing. I've been president, and I put this country back on its feet. I don't need his recommendation. That's How totally bad out. is your memory, and can you continue as president? My memory is so bad, I let you speak. That's, uh, that's, that's my memory has gotten worse, Mr. No, President. No. My memory is not good. My memory is fine. My memory, take a look at what I've done since I've become president. None of you thought I could pass any of the things I got passed. How'd that happen? You know, I guess I just forgot what was going on. Mr. 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 President, Mr. President. Do voters have concerns about your age? How are you going to assuage them? And do you fear that this report is only going to fuel further concerns about your age? Only by some of you. Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, Mr. President, for months when you were asked about your age, you would respond with the words, watch me. Watch Many me. American people have been watching, and they have expressed concerns about your age. That is they, your judgment. They, that is your judgment. That is not the judgment concerns, of the press. They express concerns about your mental acuity. They say that you are too old. Mr. President, in December, you told me that you believe there are many other Democrats who could defeat Donald Trump. So why does it have to be you now? Why, what is your answer to that question? Because I'm the most qualified person. So we get a, another dose, and I was going to play it, but I, I'm not going to waste your time. We, we all know it. Um, this is like Hillary Clinton all over again. We have two forms of justice. The left can do whatever the fuck they want. I mean, you look at the Hillary Clinton thing. She bleached bit, bit at all her computers, destroyed evidence, and then the people investigating her bleached bitted their computers and destroyed their cell phones. So everybody destroyed stuff. But inside it is the fact that they had to admit that this guy is lost. He doesn't have full use of his faculties. And that was their excuse to excuse why this man had top secret documents from the time when he was a vice president, which last time I caught, taught, or saw it was eight years ago when the Obama administration ended, 2016. You and I both know Trump will not get away with this. And they'll say it's a different case or it's not the same circumstances. They're going to come up with all bu a bunch of fucking reasons. But when you really break it down, it's the same thing. And we're being told we should vote for this guy who they just legally said is mentally incapable. They've been saying it for a long time as this montage shows.
If you're concerned about Joe Biden's age, you, you, you probably don't know Joe Biden. Biden is actually in good shape. Right. Mentally, he's quite acute. Any aide who engages with him or reporters, we can see this. The gears of his mind are working. The right wing media has so fixated on Biden and Biden purportedly having cognitive issues. It's not just making an issue of Biden's age. It's, it's lying. It's saying he's senile, it's saying he's demented, saying he's out of it. Russian television has been filled with speculation about President Biden's age, about his mental state of mind. That's an issue uh, pushed by uh, uh, right-wing media, but it's not correct. Yeah, Republicans on the, on the other side have spent four years almost kind of weaponizing Biden's age against him. Trump is not that much younger than him. Biden is just a couple of years older than Donald Trump. Why, do, why so much attention on Biden's age? Trump isn't much younger. This whole vein is, is really, <laughs> really unseemly. I mean, ageism. I'm going to say quite bluntly, there is some ageism going on here. Yeah, I think there is some ageism going on. Biden's personal physician wrote that he, quote, remains a healthy, vigorous 80-year-old male. He is a healthy, vigorous 80-year-old male. He had a good physical. His doctor says he's vigorous. The reality is nothing like the, the, the dystopian picture that the Republicans are trying to paint of, of this senile, doddering uh, president. And, and he's... Remember, we've had Trump broke down for mental exams that Trump's this, Trump's that, Trump's this, that, this, that, this, that, this, that. Biden's 10 times worse. What is wrong with these people? So, of course, our media, and this is a little long, but, you know, we actually got some bad ones coming, but this is just the best of the best as they defend Biden's inability to use his brain. I, mean, it's, I think it's the, Errol making a great point. It's the difference between a slip and a mistake, and mistakes have consequences. It's not That's the first. It's not great. It's not the first. No, no, no. Gerald Ford, going way back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in a presidential good. debate saying that Poland is not being influenced by the, the Soviet Union. That's a problem. Well, because then, that's and, a then, and then he actually point. turned out to be right because that's what Solidarity wrote and Lech Walesa oh, rolls right after. Yeah. Ten years? So, Come yeah. on. Come yes. on, Come on dude. Now we're going towards the yeah. direction. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't want to go. <laughs> I think we need to talk about Poland in the 1980s. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. No, that was actually that was the second topic okay. on the panel. We just got to Solidarity poster in my office. We got a lot more to get to, guys. Stay with us. Worth noting, Donald Trump said Viktor Orban was the leader of Turkey last night. That is obviously not true. And so that's obviously very damaging. When you add on to the fact, the questions that Rob Herr raises about President Biden's current capability uh, to describe uh, the situation, to remember events, and then unfortunately, to Kate's point, you know, the way the president performed uh, just last night, mixing up the presence of Mexico uh, and, and Egypt. I mean, this is a real challenge for the president. It's gonna, it's gonna cause him uh, difficulties in the upcoming election, um, and that's gonna be a challenge for him going forward without a doubt. Okay, Trump called Orban the president of Turkey last night also. What it also created, there was a moment where he conflated or mixed up Mexico with Egypt. And to be clear, a couple of hours later, Donald Trump thought the leader of Hungary was actually the leader of Turkey. This is just a, a name flip, but it's a moment. And it's a moment at a time when voters are concerned. And, and I know the president pushed back on that. People get frustrated about that, but it, it's just true. 
Yeah, it's also true that uh, Speaker Mike Johnson went on Meet the Press and confused Iran and Israel, uh, which is a much more significant mistake than uh, President Sisi as uh, being in Mexico. But I'm not going to sit here saying Mike Johnson has no memory loss or, you know, that he's ill-equipped to be Speaker of the This feeds directly into a major problem that they are seeing in the polling, where 76% of those polled in our recent poll are concerned about his age and far fewer concerned about Donald Trump's age, who, uh, when he's not on teleprompter, I'm, you know, <laughs> we're not even addressing that, uh, the White House would, would point out. The extent to which non-sequiturs and things that don't make sense and confusing Nancy Pelosi and Nikki Haley. Another uh, flash of anger that's coming even more public today is from the Biden campaign and from the White House itself. They feel that we, frankly, in the media, do not do enough job of holding up what the former president does and says on a regular basis in the same way that we are with President Biden. They're trying to do it through the campaign, uh, and they want to see us do it more uh, in our coverage of this race. I can understand the, the basic point of fairness especially after what happened in 2016 when there was a real argument that that... And on that point, Ona, the special counsel, uh, Robert Herr, in this case, said that he chose not to bring charges in part because, this is from his report, Mr. Biden would likely present himself to a jury, as he did during our interview with, with him, as a sympathetic, well-meaning elderly man with a poor memory. Now, in response to this, the White House counsel and the president's personal attorney, Bob Bauer, wrote a letter where they took issue with that and they said that the report uses highly prejudicial language to describe a commonplace occurrence among witnesses which is a lack of recall after you know of years old events this report reads like more than a recitation of facts does it cross the line into excess well it's interesting i mean the report when you read it it's clearly written for a public audience um, it's not written like a normal legal document it's not written in legalese really um, and certainly the beginning summary is written with a kind of audience in mind it's written with the public audience in mind and certainly with reporters in mind um, and it does characterize some of these events in ways that are that are kind of striking that was one of the lines in particular um, that this sort of jumps out um, I mean, one way to read that and one way to say that differently would be to say, look, this is, you know, many years later, he doesn't remember the exact contents of the documents. And they go on later to explain that one of the reasons for that may be that, in fact, he may not even have known what documents exactly were removed uh, from his office because he didn't actually pack many of these boxes himself. In fact, very, he didn't really pack any of these boxes himself. And he didn't direct that many of these documents be removed. And so the extent to which he actually knew some of these classified documents were in his office is is hard to determine. And so when they were asking him some of these questions, you know, he wasn't recalling all the details. And, and that makes it hard to prove. I mean, because you have to show that there was intent, that he knew he had classified documents, that he had removed them, he intentionally retained them. Um, and he knew that in doing so that he was acting unlawfully. Um, and that's what you have to prove to convince a jury to convict. And I think rightfully the, the um, special uh, prosecutor here decided that they just didn't have the information that they would need to be able to convince a jury of that. Yale Law School professor Ona Hathaway, thanks so much for your insights. We appreciate it. No criminal charges, but at the same time, little to celebrate for President Biden today after a special counsel investigation found he willfully retained and disclosed classified materials after leaving the vice presidency. The scathing report centered on documents, some classified as top secret, found in Mr. Biden's home and former office that special counsel Robert Hur said presents serious risks to national security. 
But the report also raising serious questions about the president's recall, saying his memory was significantly limited in interviews with investigators. Tonight, the president says he cooperated completely, threw up no roadblocks, and sought no delays. The special counsel, meantime, drawing a sharp distinction between the president's document troubles and the criminal documents case pending against former President Trump. The controversy providing another split-screen moment in the race for president on the day the Supreme Court heard oral arguments over whether Donald Trump belongs. Now, moments after defending his memory, the president mistakenly referred to the president of Egypt as the president of Mexico. He did later get it right, but look, the president clearly knows that while legally this may be over politically, this report can still do him some damage, and that obviously angers him and is something, George, that he's trying to get ahead of. The president also offered his sharpest criticism yet of Israel when he was asked about its handling of the war against Hamas. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. Israel and Ukraine will be on the agenda today. Described in the report as sympathetic elderly man who is well-meaning. That is not how you want your president to be perceived. No, what but do you he, make of that? he leaned right into it last night and said, I am a sympathetic elderly man who has a good memory. And that'll be the thing he's got to convince and prove to voters. This year is an important year. And when he has these moments, and we were talking about this off air, Tony, I mean, this is this is something that is glaring yeah. moving into this year. And to be holding a press conference about your mental acuity and to mix up Egypt and Mexico, Mexico is not even in the conversation. No exactly. questions about Mexico. It's not the topic of the press conference. Exactly. It's not a good look. No, and it was all about the, the southern border of Gaza. So he went to Mexico. Yeah. Who among us hasn't screwed up those two countries before? But we're not president. Hallie, as you look at this and analyze this, I mean, it's a body blow. To, to President Biden in a place where he already was vulnerable. How damaging do you think this could be? Well, here's another phrase for it, gut punch. That's the way that one source described it to me on the Democratic side, Savannah. To so I just have a few seconds, Hallie, but I just have to ask, I mean, it, listen, neither one of these candidates are young men, let's be honest, okay? And both have had senior moments. Donald That's Trump right. recently confusing Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi on January 6th. There have been other gaps about, you know, the next, we're going to start World War II and so forth. Do voters treat them equally in terms no. of that issue? They don't. And we see that in the polls. Only 48, fewer than half of voters, Savannah, in our most recent poll have the same concerns. So they're just going to spin, spin, spin and spin it again because that's what we do. We just spin. But then there's times that the reality has to come down. And here is Daniel Day, Doggingham, and a little CNN person saying, I wet the bed over it. While one thing that President Biden said is basically that he stored the documents in filing cabinets that could be locked. Let's listen. All the stuff that was in my home was in filing cabinets that were either locked or able to be locked. Daniel? Just, just not true, John. Uh, this report from the special counsel 
includes photos. Those photos include shots of a box uh, just sitting in President Biden's Delaware garage. The special counsel described it as a badly damaged box sitting amid household detritus. So there was some material that was in cabinets uh, locked or lockable, as the president said, but all of it certainly not. And that open, unsealed, damaged box included, according to the special counsel, highly sensitive, top-secret material about the war in Afghanistan. Okay, another claim that President Biden made None of the documents were highly classified. Let's listen. None of it was high classified. Didn't have any of that red stuff on it. You know what I mean? Around the corners. None of that. Daniel. That claim that he didn't have any material that was quote unquote high classified is also not true, John. This special counsel's report says that the president possessed multiple highly classified documents that were indeed marked as being highly classified documents, including some marked as top secret slash SCI, sensitive compartmented information. That is a very high level of classification. For example, special counsel Her uh, discussed two top secret documents about Afghanistan found in that open, unsealed damage box in the garage, one of which Her said contains highly sensitive info about military programs and another that contains info about sensitive intelligence and sources and methods. Now, it's not clear, John, if any of those Biden documents had those colored borders we saw on classified docs that former President Trump had, which I think is what President Biden was referring to uh, when he talked about red around the corners. But still, whatever coloring these documents had, the special counsel says they were clearly marked as highly classified. And then I should add, her also said that investigators' analysis of Biden's own handwritten notes from his time as vice president showed that these notebooks also contained highly classified info, though those were not marked. And her said a sampling of 37 excerpts found that, quote, eight are top secret with sensitive compartmented information, seven of which include information concerning human intelligence sources, plus six others that were top secret. Uh, and then the third claim that he made, Daniel, there was that he did not share classified information with a ghostwriter on a book he was working on. Listen to that. I did not share classified information. I did not share it. With your ghostwriter? With my ghostwriter. I did not. Guarantee you did not. But the what special the, counsel said well, it. No, he did, did not say that. Okay. He did not say that. So he's entitled to say he didn't do it. He can defend himself. But he also said the special counsel didn't say that he did share that classified info with the ghostwriter. Except, John, the special counsel did say that explicitly. Her wrote, quote, Mr. Biden shared information, including some classified information from those notebooks with his ghostwriter. So there it is in black and white. Now, her did elaborate that Biden shared classified info with the ghostwriter uh, by reading nearly verbatim from the notebooks on at least three occasions, including notes from meetings in the situation room. He did find that Biden, quote, at times tried to avoid sharing classified info, like by skipping over certain material as he was reading them to the ghostwriter. And her did write that the evidence does not show that Biden knew the info was classified. Nonetheless, even though the special counsel did clearly give him some material to defend himself with, this is not a factual defense. So he could cite the factual stuff, you know, her said, didn't know it was intentional, etc. But declaring the special counsel just did not say what he said, John, is not a factual defense. Important to note, Daniel Dale, always great to have you. Thanks so much. Do you think there will be? <laughs> I, I bring up the term everyone the laughs. It's a term that is used. It's a political term of art. And it's used hey, in Democratic big D politics. Yeah, it's what true. people say about Democrats. I'm not saying anything that's offensive to Paul's you know, <laughs> delicate young, sense young, of delicate ears. <laughs> so how much of that 
will there be? And if you are the White House, how do you assuage said bedwetting? Oh, yeah. Look, uh, I'm a Biden supporter. I, I, and I slept like a baby last night. I woke up every two hours crying and went to bed. Uh, this is this is terrible for Democrats. And anybody with a functioning brain knows that. Um, but here's what you do. Instead of calling a press conference and saying, I really am sharp, you attack the other guy. You know, the, the, Joe Biden gave the strategy in 2012. He was, I remember he was vice president. And he said, don't compare us to the almighty, compare us mm -hmm. to the alternative. So everything with Biden has to be not, I'm great, but the other guy's really damaging, dangerous, a threat. You know, the, 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 this is an unlovely. John's exactly right, right? This is going to be a really rough, ugly, unpleasant campaign. Look at years ago, David Duke, the former Klansman, was running for governor against Edwin Edwards, who'd been charged, mm. indicted, convicted of any number of criminals. The, the, Edwin won the campaign with a bumper sticker that said, vote for the crook. It's important. Yes. And they got to tell Democrats, look, vote for the old guy. Support the old guy. It's important. So you think they blew it last night? Just to be clear, you think last night was a, it was a mistake to have him out there? Hmm. Well, Paul? no, I want to see more Joe Biden. But the, and the gaffes are built in. But instead of simply saying, I'm OK, he just simply need, he needs to be on the attack 24-7 for the next 269 days. It Uplifting. <laughs> Uplifting message from Paul right there. Well, I, I appreciate the Edward Everett's reference. I think I think that's right. But this election is going to go to Biden. Don't don't think I'm stupid. They're going to steal this fucker like they always do because they're going to run up the count on pre-votes and nobody checks pre-votes. And you know that's stealing because we had a North Carolina case. We overturned the fucking thing because Republicans did it. Somebody's putting this up as a campaign ad. Six men have been charging that brutal attack caught on camera. A shocking act of violence. Two NYPD officers beaten in Times Square. All of those arrested were released without bail. Why? Did these four individuals be released on their own recognizance? The Biden administration is fighting to release as many migrants as quickly as possible. I'll reverse Trump's detrimental asylum policies. There's no need for us. Biden administration reversed Trump's policy on remain in Mexico. Joe Biden to stop construction of the border wall. It's a new day on the southern border. Here we go. The policy that made it easy to kick out migrants. It's gone. He inherited the lowest rate of illegal immigration and he immediately reinstated cash and release. And so when they apprehend people, they let him go. I'll reverse Trump's detrimental asylum policies. Yeah. 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 Yep. 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 That's perfect. So Biden literally had to go to his, uh, his own campaign headquarters and rally the troops. It was actually an article, which is pretty fucking sad if you think about it. Because, yeah, it's just sad. He called Netanyahu a bad fucking guy. Which is costing him votes because some reason Jewish people vote for him. And I, and I don't know why. But then the leftists all came out, man. Katie Turr is insufferable because she said it was bad. In the article or the the video, uh, the choice is all likelihood here. There, here, Katie, right, will be between two men who are three years apart. 
Jim Pisaki answers Katie to her question about Joe Biden's age. It goes on and on. It's not good. They lost their shit. They lost their shit because they're trying to fucking figure out how, how do we do this? We have people just going like this. If I were an elected official right now, I might consider subpoenaing Robert Hur to testify his report. Every time he ever says, I do not recall, I would ask him if that's safe. Because they're trying to play off like Biden's okay and it's just a, 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 a freaking attorney being a dick. LA Times, opinion. Age matters, which is why Biden's age is his superpower. I'm not even reading that. That's just fucking unbelievable. Around the world, we have elderly man with a poor memory. That's what they said. This is what they did down under. Dems, New York paper battle, Jill elder abuse versus special counsel hit job. Spook Dems push for makeup, lighting fixes for Biden's age as press rails against Merrick Garland because he's a piece of shit. Nate Silver got in. It's definitely one of the more fortuitous accidents of timing I've had as a writer. On Tuesday, I wrote a piece saying Democrats use but her emails to deflect legitimate criticism, and that's exactly what they've done since the special counsel report. Me- media meltdown over buying report fuels new, but her email nightmare. Oh, this is 10 times worse. Biden's age is not comparable. Let me just put this up here because it's, it's a really good one. To Hillary's email, it is a much more important issue. He wants to be president until he's 86. Voters rationally think it's important. I criticize butter emails early and often. This story is not the same. Although there was a fresh round this week, people have been using this butter email excuse to deflect legitimate reporting on Biden's age for months. It hasn't worked. Voters have been more concerned than ever. Now he's railing Trump, trailing Trump. Even as economic perceptions improve, not good. By the way, it's February. There are nine more months to go. We'll fix this. And he just goes down and pretty much says that's what we're going to do. Judd Legum. Her is a lawyer, not a doctor. He's not better equipped at judging Biden's mental fitness than any other layperson. Reporters at major media outlets know this. AP, which is just another progressive newspaper. Verbal gaffes are sign of trouble. Mixing up names. Trump does it too. No, he doesn't. Trump stands in front of people forever and literally runs his cock trap saying random shit. But he's cognitive. That dude's got zingers after zinger. These are some of the photos declassified docs President Biden stored in the garage in Delaware and hers reports, and it's no different than Mar-a-Lago. The difference is we didn't see it. We never saw it. They never showed any of this. Because why would they? It'll hurt Biden. We can't hurt Biden. That would be fucking bad. Biden, good. Trump, bad. I once again submit that this is all because of the media. This is what you get 
when the media doesn't do its job. The people eventually get around Google suppression. The people eventually get all around your bullshit that there's nothing wrong with this 82-year-old man that can't fucking handle his water. The dude is in bad shape. I'm telling you, he's not cognitive. What's worse is he's not running the country. And that's what we should be concerned about. Do we want a president or a bunch of young interns and people that we never elected running our country? And that's a question. It used to be, well, that's okay. Because that's how presidents run the country. Blah, blah, blah. But now, I, I got to say unequivocally, I think it's pretty fucking bad. We, we need to decide what we're going to do as a country. And I think one of the most important things that we can probably do as a country is acknowledge that we... We, we shouldn't be voting for people like this. And we shouldn't be voting for parties that are so willing to censor. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to testify today. The American system of self-governance is under attack. Instead of an election day where everyone votes at the same time and with the same full set of information, votes are counted quickly and everyone promptly knows and trusts the outcome, we now have lengthy election seasons that can last months prior to and even after election day. The situation is so absurd that we have presidential and gubernatorial debates weeks after some people have already voted. Instead of having total security and a verifiable chain of custody for ballots being issued, cast, and counted, we flood addresses across the country with tens of millions of unsupervised mail-in ballots months ahead of elections, frequently to locations from which voters, if they're even alive, have long since moved. Instead of having election administration that is rigorously nonpartisan and impartial under the law, we have allowed the private takeover of government election offices by partisan oligarchs and their armies of activists who use those offices and their authorities to tilt the election toward favored candidates. Instead of voters being able to vote for the candidate of their choice, powerful interests backed by wealthy oligarchs are working to remove the most popular candidate and the ruling party's chief opponent from the ballot in a move reminiscent of Soviet Russia. And if that weren't enough, instead of the top candidates chosen by the people being able to fully engage in a vigorous campaign heading into an election, we have one side actively attempting to throw its opponent in prison and bankrupt his family, again, reminiscent of Soviet Russia. Instead of a system of rule of law that gives Americans the same rights and due process, the Department of Justice and other partisan actors are 
prosecuting their opposition, whether powerful or lowly, and doing so in places where partisan juries will ensure a quick conviction. Instead of a free and independent press that shares news and information to help inform voters, we have a press that is almost exclusively the arm of one political party and is so corrupt that it is willing to perpetrate hoax after hoax against opposition party members. Instead of a vibrant public square where Americans can debate issues and express their strongly held views, we have an elaborate censorship industrial complex where the government works hand in hand with tech oligarchs to suppress and blacklist debate on all the important issues that contribute to election outcomes. This is something I know firsthand because our government worked with tech companies to censor me for my election reporting. Allowing just one of these attacks to infect our electoral system would be a crisis. Allowing all of them at the same time is an existential threat to our system of self-government. In my best-selling book on how election administration has been co-opted by groups seeking political power, I reported on a new phenomenon in the 2020 election that has already severely eroded trust and needs to be addressed decisively. In the last presidential election, nonprofit groups with very strong ties to the Democrat Party and funded by one of the world's wealthiest and most powerful men, Facebook founder Mark Zuckerberg, took over government election offices, most notably in the Democrat areas of swing states. Since then, the efforts by partisans to further infiltrate government election offices to ensure favorable outcomes have only increased. I look forward to answering questions about how the private oligarch takeover of elections is a threat to our system of self-government. Thank you very much. It was submitted to the NSF. On the overview slide, the mission of their grant, as explained, was, quote, our misinformation service helps policymakers at social media platforms get good PR for their actions on misinformation by having a clear benchmark for outcomes and eliminating the need to defend internal procedures. Thanks. The slide deck also notes, uh, also notes that they do things that we know work without backlash and that, quote, we push responsibility for difficult judgments to someone outside of the company, end quote. It goes on to say, we get people off our backs for how we act on misinformation. And it goes on to say that we eliminate the need to defend specific procedures. Now, this is an NSF, taxpayer-funded project, and they say we eliminate the need to defend specific procedures as though accountability is more of a suggestion, more of a yellow light. So, Mr. Fong, Mr. Lukanov, the NSF vision... Molly Hamway always tears it up, and I freaking love it. But it's that election interference. We talked about it last time. Zuck bucks, it's coming. They're going to do it. Genuflecting, genuflecting to the Chai comms. Microsoft Bing censors Uyghur genocide to please Beijing. Cot. Another Biden-led National Science Foundation grant funded online censorship. Media Literacy Now and Media Education Lab. This was not supposed to get out, but here is literally a, a breakdown of how far they will go to make sure that you only hear what they fucking want you to hear. We have Meta expanding censorship day after Iran leader booted from the platform. Legal groups bans, uh, slams uh, Biden. News Guard, which is all bullshit. 
a funding request so they can keep you from reading anything, but they don't. And last but not least, YouTube boss rubs Alexa and says, Ship American Face. He says, we're going to do it. 2024 is too important. It's too important. We need you to just shut the fuck up and vote for Biden. The scope of it is absolutely astonishing. For example, in its pitch to the NSF, Meaden stated, stated that it was using AI to monitor 750,000 blogs and media articles daily, as well as to mine data from the major social media platforms. That just gives you an idea of the absolute scope of what AI could do for violating people's First Amendment rights. In your testimony, Ms. Richardson, you outlined in great detail the number of grants, the large sums, and the various number of partners that the federal do dollars are going to to censor American citizens in violation of the First Amendment. What can the proliferation of this type of technology do to the censorship industrial complex, which has already been uncovered, if it is not properly overseen for beneficial development? And then we have another bind presser that was not the presser of the presser, so what do we have? An example of him once again losing who the fuck Hamas is. And then the media helping the White House press corps, helping the press secretary. Because they're, they're in dire straits right now, defending themselves against the Russian arms. There is some movement, and I don't want to, I don't want to, well, maybe choose my words. There's some movement. There's been a response from the opposition. But, um, it, it, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas. But it seems to be uh, a little over the top. We're not sure where it is. There's a continuing negotiation right now. There's been a response from the opposition. But, um, it, uh, yes, I'm sorry, from Hamas, but it seems to be uh, a little over the top. We're not sure where it is. There's a continuing negotiation right now. So you are discrediting some of the findings in this report. You are discrediting some of the observations of President Biden. So. Why should the American public accept the conclusion that charges weren't warranted? I'm not sure I understand exactly what you're asking. I'm saying you're claiming that much of the report is inaccurate. So why are you so confident that the conclusion is correct? How concerned is the president and, and the team here that the, quote, gratuitous comments are going to damage him, damage public perception of him? Just one quick follow-up. The president was animated last night, uh, rejecting the idea that he did not remember when his son died. Can you provide a little bit more context about, was he directly asked in the interview by the special counsel for the dates? Was it part of a broader conversation? I just think some additional context to understand what is in that report uh, might be helpful. Yeah, I think, I mean, the president... And you had just mentioned how these interviews happened <clears throat> shortly after the October 7th attacks. The president mentioned it last night. In <clears throat> mentioning that, does that mean that possible memory lapses happened because he was so distracted by what was happening overseas or do you dispute that he had any 
memory issues during those hours of interviews. I, I dispute that the characterizations about his memory that were in the report are accurate because they're not. Um, if the special counsel says President Biden's got significant limitations on his memory, then who is helping him run the country? The President of the United States runs the country. The Commander-in-Chief runs the country. How can he be trusted with the nuclear codes if... I, I get that you're saying that uh, nobody in the building would say that he's got an issue with his memory. But just a little part of what we get to see, he's made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake on camera this week. So I want to be very clear here. Um, the reality is that report, that part of the report, does not live in reality. It just doesn't. So the special counsel it is, is it, lying it about is, the president's it is, memory. It is. It was gratuitous. You heard from my. You heard. Boys and girls, by this time in a Republican administration, we'd be calling for the. Amendment, fourteenth, fifteenth amendment. What is it? What is it? Twenty-fifth uh, amendment. Sorry. Twenty-fifth amendment. Ratified our assassination. Kennedy provides a procedure for replacing the president in event of death, removal, resignation, or incapacitation. That's all I got to say. He's incapacitated. Dude can't do his shit. Todd in Oregon hands us these beautiful things. Oregon lawmakers have $560 million left over. So guess what? They spent $29 million to house asylum seekers, shut it down, so now they can give them more money. We're going to give them more. And that's going to be the extra money they got. And then FLOTUS, or this is Harwood, political reporters ought to report on the beliefs and perceptions of voters. They also ought to report on whether the beliefs and the perception of voters are true or false. There's not enough of the latter. Oh my God, you're kidding me. Like, Russia collusion? Do we remember that? It's false. Still reported. Flotus. I hope you can imagine how it felt to read the attack, not just as Joe's wife, but as Bo's mother. Joe is 81, that's true, but he's 81 doing more in an hour than most people do all day. That's a fucking lie, lady. And we all know it. You give him pudding. The dude's fucked up. I'm not a mega guy. I'm not. I'm just a dude, man. I'm just a dude. And this dude tells you you're full of fucking shit. You've been full of shit for fucking ever. Here's another press briefing, because I'm going to stay on it today. This is, I know it's getting repetitive, but this is another press briefing where they get out, they're allowed not to fucking answer any goddamn question about the fucking border. So, you guys talk a lot, including today, about how the border wouldn't be such a big deal if Congress would have just passed your immigration bill on day one. Who was in charge of Congress on day one? So it's been three years. It's been three, three whole years. More than three years. More than a thousand days. And look, this is a difficult issue, obviously. This is a difficult issue. And what we have said is that Congress has to act, right? Congress. Democrats, Republicans have to act. But in those three years, it is true that Republicans have gotten in the way. They just have, Peter. They have consistently used immigration, the immigration system, the broken system, as a political stunt. That's what they've done. 
They've gotten in the way in trying to get more Border Patrol agents. They've gotten in the way in actually trying to fix what's happening, the challenges. Of- Which brings us to our little mashup. Here is Joy Reid saying that the SCOTUS thing was racism. Barnacle, hey, you can blunt the Republicans from uh, having any power on the border. Do, my, do what I say. And Avalon calls GOP failure to get votes a Neville Chamberlain moment. Seriously. Do you find that stuff ironic too, Ellie? It's almost like the state's rights argument was invented by white supremacist patriarchs to allow the states to keep black people and women under control And that's the only thing the argument is good for, because when we try to use it for anything else, apparently it doesn't matter. It's almost like that's what we're seeing, isn't it, Joy? Look, it's it's almost the, the irony is rife here. When we talk about elections, you're absolutely right to bring up abortion and Mitchell and his kind of torturous role through all of this. He's the through line um, um, through all of this uh, uh, hypocrisy. But when we talk about elections specifically, let us not forget that it is the conservative justices who consistently tell us that the states have the right to restrict voting access, restrict uh, early voting access, um, keep felons off the ballot, that every state has the right to keep people from accessing the ballot. But now yesterday they turned around and said that the states don't have the right to decide who's on their own ballot. John Roberts literally act like it couldn't possibly be his job to know, because if he might have to make one ruling for Colorado and a whole different ruling for Texas, how could he live at such speed? when he's literally the same guy who says that Texas gets to gerrymander however it wants and Colorado gets to gerrymander however it wants and New Jersey gets to gerrymander however it, it wants. So the hypocrisy was deep and yes, ironic, but also troubling. And also again, just shows the intellectual paucity of the entire conservative argument here. And the thing is, let's not also forget that John Roberts, Amy Coney Barrett, and Brett Kavanaugh were on the team that decided that Florida gets to decide. Mike, I know you always have your finger on the pulse of what American people are thinking about. We know that your pulse there, thankfully, I'm glad you have one. Um, The American people are deeply concerned about migration. They are. They are. Um, This has been, to this point, a winning issue for Republicans. Do you think, though, that the Biden administration can change the narrative and make it one for, at least, if not a help, but at least negates the Republican strength? Well, they could perhaps change part of the narrative by going, but again, if the president went to the border and took action, actually signed something physically, uh, and the border patrol was enhanced with more personnel, if they addressed it that way, <clears throat> that, that could change the narrative. The problem with, with the narrative about immigration is it's a visible issue. <clears throat> the issue is visible to you here in New York City, mm-hmm. walking around. It's visible to you in Cambridge, Massachusetts, Chicago, Illinois, throughout the country. People can see what the collapse of the border has done to the environment, and they can witness you've got a young family, you can witness what has happened as more and more children of immigrants are put into public schools and across America, the cost to cities to maintain public safety, all of it, all of it, it's right there. Well, we are very grateful for you being with us this morning. Mike Barnacle, we'll see you again on Morning Joe in a moment. And thanks to all of you for getting up way too early with us. Let's bring in senior political commentator, SC Cup, CNN senior political analyst and anchor John Avalon. Look, this was clearly another day of a full-on pursuit of the Republican agenda of sequentially finding rakes, then stepping on them. Um, I think what I'm trying to figure out longer term here is there 
are real world consequences to what's happening right now with legislative inaction. And you look yeah. at the, the scale of the national security package generally, also what's going on on the border. Is there a near-term resolution for this? Oh, I well, mean, I don't have much optimism uh, on that. I mean, this, this Congress isn't, isn't solving most problems, and Republicans are playing politics with policy. They've decided that politics, i.e. trying to impeach Mayorkas, that's a political pro project, is more important than a policy win, which they asked for and got, and then are now refusing. So there, there, there's, there's now an effort on the left to say, okay, maybe we had a hand in breaking this, but you're refusing to fix it, and so now you own it. We'll see if vote voters buy that, but it's a good messaging trick. John, you um, want to look big picture at sort of the big story here of House Speaker Mike Johnson mm -hmm. so far. <laughs> so much losing. House Republicans have shown themselves to be unwilling and unable to govern in the national interest. Uninterested in it. There, there you are. Yeah. I mean, th this, is, this is so many levels of failure. Yesterday in particular, right? Couldn't get a standalone Israel bill. Couldn't get the Mayorkas vote. Uh, have gutted provisions that were bipartisan that Republicans requested to strengthen the border. The Wall Street Journal and others saying this is the best border bill. You, Donald Trump couldn't get this. And, and now they're holding, what's really revealed is they're holding Ukraine hostage. That was always the objection. Because if you put Ukraine supplemental funding up for a vote, it would pass. It would pass. So they are playing politics with the border and they are putting lives at risk in Ukraine. And, and in, in the fullness of history. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. I just opened my TikTok app and my good up, good up friend Pre just reminded me it's dead ass Black History Month. Do you know what that means? All the whitey whitey people, you're done for this month. I have my eyes on you. If we walking on a sidewalk and you walk past me, you're racist. If I catch y'all buying cotton at Target, I'm giving y'all the meanest side eye ever. Don't let me catch you eating none of the West Indian foods, bro. All the white people to the back of the bus. Don't even scream back door. Walk. Miss your stop and walk. I don't even want to see you in my provision. I don't want to see you at all. I don't even want to hear you. This is our month. If we on a train car and it's packed and you stand down and a bunch of black people come in, get up. Get up. That's the least you can do. Get up. If there's a line, we're skipping. We get to skip. It's our month. We get to skip. I just feel like every black person should get paid more this month, but that's just me. If your mom is white and your dad is black, you don't get to celebrate this month. But if your mom is black and your dad is white, yeah, gang, yeah. I just feel like there's certain qualifications and rules. There's just certain qualifications and rules. You know what I'm saying? But happy Black History Month, guys. If there's a parking space and that person is black and you're white, let the black person have it. We can't be outside after dark. You know why. I don't even got to explain myself. But yeah, guys, power to the people. Which brings us into our woke, and that was a young lady for Black History Month, which is always so splendiferous. American College of Pediatrician confirms transitioning kids is not 
beneficial. Social transition, puberty blockers, and cross-sex hormones have no demonstrable long-term benefits on psychological well-being of adolescents with gender dysphoria. The 60s studies all focused on the mental health of kids who struggle with gender dysphoria and the ACP heads also released a fact sheet to help properly provide the best for kids. The fact sheet noted a lot about what we've been seeing in transgender youth cases. Many experience child abuse and neglect. Treatments often lead to kids to be suicidal. There are little to no medical health benefits to these gender-affirming treatments, and that many individuals who transition as kids end up embracing their biological gender as they get older, you've got to be fucking kidding me. The study reviewed in this paper demonstrate that what many who practice medicine intuitively understand that young parent patients experiencing gender dysphoria deserve help in accepting and loving themselves as they are, not interventions that destroy their healthy bodies and put them on track of medicalization for life. You are fucking these people up for life. The thing that's so sad about it is they fucking know it, but they don't care. Because if you turn them into a trans person, well, uh, guess what? Now you got a voter. And that's all it's really about. It's about woke. About intersectionality. It's about stuff. That is ridiculous. And, and I mean, once again, if you're an adult, if you stumbled on this because you listened to my other podcast... I could give a fuck what you do. But they want a federal money, this shit. And just like abortion, which, once again, don't give a fuck. Kill a million babies. It's up to you and God. Or you're not lack of God or whatever. I don't care. The fact is, people are, people have the right to have an opinion. And their opinion can be different than yours. And the problem with the Biden administration, the media, and the left right now, to include Hollywood, is that you can't have a different opinion. You have to only have their opinion. And that's not the way that works. We live in a republic. And within a republic, everybody has a voice. And what we should be doing is compromises. Abortion. Make it 30 fucking weeks. There it is. Everybody shuts the fuck up. People want 11. Most people want 23, 24, 22 to 24. They want live birth abortion. Just make it 30 weeks. Can't have an abortion after 30 weeks unless it's the life of the mother. And don't talk to me about rape and incest. For God's sake, by 30 weeks, you're going to make a decision on that if you don't want to have your kids or kid. But this transgender stuff, they're taking kids away from their parents because the parents won't do what the teachers and the ideologues want. That's fucking crazy, man. That's super crazy. We have people in this country teaching their kids to be white supremacists, black supremacists, Nazis, anarchists. We don't take their kids away from that, but your ideology now trumps parental rights? Get the fuck out of here. Transgender girl sues X for throwing away or preserved testicles. That's not good. That, that's 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 not good. That's not good at all. Um, this one. This is Mark Childers. He's trans daycare worker in Kentucky. He was arrested and charged with sexually abusing a baby. 
He dresses like a girl. Meet Kaylee Gervais, a preschool teacher in Vermont. She identifies as a queer witch and a slayer of the patriarchy. When she isn't overseeing drag queen story hour at preschool, she's running her public porn page under the name Stevie Glitz. Would you feel comfortable entrusting your toddler with her? I don't know if posing porn has anything to do with anything, but okay. Um, other stuff that somehow I'm an asshead and I forgot to grab, so we're going to have to do it live. Scoop, Wisconsin Oshkosh is holding a free leadership development course. All students except straight white students. All students except white students will get the opportunity to gain unique knowledge and skills about leadership. White people are the only group that you're allowed to discriminate against. And that doesn't surprise me. Did I get this one? Oh, there it is. I used to flip around. Edgar Kahn, this is a drag teen, drag queen teacher in West Virginia. Child Sexual Exploitation. Edgar Kahn is a teacher in Jefferson County School, West Virginia. He likes to dress up as a woman and in drag. He faces eight counts of sexual exploitation of a minor and charges related to distribution of child porn. It isn't a one-off, folks. These are all over the goddamn place. Current job listing for an air traffic controller on the FAA's website is open to people with disabilities including psychiatric and intellectual delays. I should not be an air traffic controller. I'm being treated for clinical depression. My head is not in the game. DOJ Scroop. Public records emails show National Abortion Fed assisting the Justice Department in a case involving bodies of five late-term babies aborted at third trimester NAFS clinic in D.C. They destroyed the evidence. But we need to not vote for Trump because he's an anarchist. He will not go by the rule of law. And we're arresting people for standing on sidewalks. Like for reals. That's just fucking crazy. Lakeland School in New York has middle schoolers resources which include shopping for sex dolls, how to enlarge your penis, and the importance of representation in pornography. Here's the soundbite. My child um, is 12 years old. He's in science class and he gets a a video for classwork and homework and it had um, very inappropriate sexual language. Heavy petting, groping. Middle schoolers can't keep their hands off each other. I had looked at my son's Chromebook again preparing for a meeting with Mr. Trinkle, the science teacher, and Mr. Ruo, and I found another assignment. Birth control, herpes home tests. Find out best where to get your best sex doll. How to enlarge your penis. So this has nothing to do with the technology. The teacher assigned well, There was three different assignments that my son got over this school year. They were all 18-year-old and older content. 
they all had sexual content. First week of September, th that um, personality test, it was very disturbing as a parent to see that. It even states on the very first page of that website that it is for adult content only, and it gave him basically his sexual, what his sexual inclinations would be. Content is very disturbing. From um, the teacher. Yeah, I mean, I have my phone just to show you from the teacher on the home page. Oh, okay, <laughs> that's just one of the things. It's very pornographic images. They're damaging to children. You have to click on those links to get there, but on the home page, I'm, I'm you can you see yeah. about yeah. you can see about thirty links just yep. on the home page uh, that's, itself. That's what I was going to say. Sex dolls, sex toys, penis pumps, sex enhancement pills, birth control. Um, STD tests, hormones. The other assignment that brought me to that meeting in the first place also talked about um, middle schoolers who can't keep their hands off each other. They love to heavy pet each other and group each other. Now when the muscle cell is at rest, none of these strands are touching each other, but they really desperately want to. They're like middle school students at a formal dance. The myosin in particular wants nothing more than to reach its little heads up and do some heavy petting with the actin. Trophomyosin and troponin act as an insulation, chaperones, to protect them from groping each other. They're the, uh, the chaperones. They protect the actin from groping. Now, energy from the broke ATP is stored inside the head. So yeah, yeah, the myosin has a lot of pent-up frustration. Chemical dance that allows this to happen is one of the sexiest things that goes on in your body other than, like, sex. Obviously, I'm going to tell you, um, we don't condone that Mr. Blue Rolls if it's the teacher, we, we don't. I haven't uh, seen that, I'll be honest. I haven't seen you in that pornography stuff. Exposure to sexually explicit media in early adolescence is related to risky sexual behavior in emerging adulthood. This is from the National Institute of Health. There's also a TED Talk about the effect of sexualized media. That sexualized, sexualized media, media and pornography without, and here's the key part, without representation or proper education can be incredibly harmful and detrimental to our physical and mental health, especially those of us who are too young to really know the difference. Whatever we have to do to support you know, our students or whatever, we're willing to do. I will work with Mr. Rulo or whomever to, to get them whatever resources they need. They need to talk to someone or we need to, to meet with families or whatever. We have counselors here to do that. This is my first first time ever you're seeing that in my 20 years you're here. Mr. Trinko again has um a periodic assignment from um, .com. The most recent articles on right now has a web has a, a story about primates and how they've been masturbating for forty million years. To hear it come out of your mouth, uh, some of these things and these examples, to see those pictures, and to know that uh, other um, children of your sort. I can't not be a father. 
you don't get to turn that on and off. Uh, no, it's just hurtful. But the focus now is, is the children. And I would ask that you send a message to the parent community that I care. Uh, we are human beings here, regardless of, of titles, uh, responsibilities. We're human beings. And if something like that happens uh, in our district, that's a problem. They need to know that. I don't know why I would be the one to notify the parents. Uh, I think what he was saying is because uh, <laughs> if parents are telling you, if they come to you, yep. express that to them. Mr. Rulo had made the decision with Dr. Gagliardi and you, and he agreed, you all agreed that um, I'll, I'll make sure because now I'm shocked that you didn't see the website, but you all agreed not to notify the parents. Yes. Yeah. Well, how are the parents going to come to you with concerns if they're not notified? What the actual fuck? Assistant Superintendent Squirm as he shows the material his school is offering to middle schoolers. When this was revealed, the school made a decision not to notify parents what their kids were potentially exposed to. And then they blocked everybody who's interested in it. They just blocked it. That's how they fixed it, because why admit it? National MS Society makes a 90-year-old volunteer step down because she's not inclusive. I was confused. I didn't know what it was, what it meant. Uh, and I'd seen it on a couple of uh, letters that had come in after the person's name. They had the pronouns, but I didn't know what that meant. And so finally, I, when I was talking to her, I thought, I'll ask, what does it mean? And, uh, you know, let her tell me. And so she said that meant that they were all inclusive, which didn't make sense to me. Because it sounds like you're uh, labeling or labeling uh, for females and not males. If you're just putting in she, her. She or, said that she was just asking her what it meant to have a conversation. So as a 90 year old who didn't know what it meant, you know, she's not street savvy <laughs> to find out what it meant. Yeah. And when she said that they were required to use it to be inclusive. And my mom was saying uh, uh, that we've always been the MS Society as a whole and the Long and Beach the group. Yeah, group has just always been inclusive. A few days later, uh, it was on a Friday at, was it 4.58? At 4.58, which we thought was odd, but uh, anyway. At the end of the day, end of the week, I got an email from her saying that uh, they were sorry, but they had to ask me to step down as a volunteer <laughs> for the MS Society. And the reason being is that you're not inclusive enough. The verbiage I, she said was that, that she didn't abide by their diversity, equity, and inclusion. So they have yeah. to ask her to step down and she can't be a part of the MS Society as a, as a volunteer, as a, which as to me volunteer. is ironic because they're saying yeah. they're being inclusive, but yet they're excluding a 90-year-old disabled woman who volunteers volunteer. for over 60 years, <laughs> you know, and then, and literally the sole purpose is to help 
the MS patients and find a cure. And that's what we're and, there for. You know, keep helping with uh, volunteering as, as much as she can, which has literally been her 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 well, whole life. That's literally all she does. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, just for a sec- she's fucking ninety. She volunteered for sixty years because her husband had MS. This one's sad. Watch a mother lie to and brainwash her trans kid that our people are out to get him. Get get this. This is so entirely wrong and bad. I don't get how someone could get this mad at just being who we are. Like... That just sounds very simple, but that that sentence, like, be who you are, that is such, like, I don't even, they're trying to take away our pride. I don't get how people could be this wicked. Oh my Um, god. They're also trying to have a bill that would make people argue and learn that gender-affirming care is wrong and dangerous. Like that, How? not that you like, could choose to learn about it, but that everyone would have to learn about it at school. That they would have to, like your friends would have to learn that gender framework care is bad and dangerous. So, what, like my the doctors friends that are trying to help kids like would you have to would do have that. to learn. So my eventually in high that? school or somewhere like that, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to be taught that that's bad and that's wrong. It would be like there. There's a bill that's trying to make that happen too. I literally can't take it. Oh my god. It's horrible. I can't believe. Just why are you doing this? Can you to imagine us? going to the bathroom? Yeah. Just like out at Target or anywhere else and having to be forced to go into the Already without knowing any of these laws that you just told me, I already know that my high school is going to be a nightmare. All the way back to when I was five years old, telling mom and dad that I wanted to be a girl. I thought I could just be a girl. I was so young. And now they're literally turning that against me. I had no idea at me and like, people like me are gonna have to go through all this pain just to be themselves. I thought it was just okay. I didn't know that that was so bad for me to try to be a girl. I know it was gonna be so hard. I know I was gonna have to fight. I thought I could just and no. When you did tell us, this. when you did tell us, there weren't any like really anti-trans and laws then and stuff. It's just coming up so quickly. Like there are so many laws, like so many that I don't even know of, that are like trying to be made by people. Yeah, Bill. That are against us. It is so. 
I need you. I need you to help, not just stand around. I need you to help all of us, not just me, not just your friend, everyone. It will help this entire state. It will help all of us if you go out there speak and help us i get so sad on that because my grandkids are that way last time i saw them they were girls they used to be boys i mean i just saw them back in 2019 they were totally normal well-adjusted young men and now they have long hair because she wants to be virtue singling on fucking facebook Then, last, but definitely not least, here is a teacher explaining how schools groom kids into being confused about their identities by affirming their gender transitions all while hiding for the parents. The video is very telling. A kid goes through a difficult time like most kids do. The kid decides either on her own or most likely with the help from a TikTok or teacher that the issue is her gender. The parents rightly explain to her that she's going through a phase and she's not to be a pos- uh, not the opposite gender. And the school does your b- fucking bigot and does it anyway. Okay. Hi, everybody. I'm going to share a story. Because I think that people need to know the kinds of things that are actually happening in schools with students surrounding the whole idea of these save the children, leave the kids alone marches. I'm going to tell you a story about a student. This is actually a student that I've had in my career. Keeping in mind, I have taught for 20 years in K through nine schools. So I have gotten to see students from the time they were young until they left to go to high school. We had a student. Let's name that student, student A. Student A was a lovely child. Student A always seemed a little bit withdrawn, but seemed to be okay. In about grade four or five, student A shared with their parents that they were not feeling like the gender that they had been assigned, which was female. They told their parents they weren't sure what they felt yet, but that they didn't feel like a girl. Parent response was, you're just going through a phase. This isn't real. You know, you're just doing something that other people are doing. You know, don't bother us with this. Student A starts to withdraw. By the beginning of grade seven, parents of student A are coming to the school very concerned because over the last two years, student A has shown signs of severe depression and anxiety. They can't quite figure out why, but they're sure it has something to do with school. And so we have 
many different situations and accommodations set up for student A as they begin junior high. Towards the end of grade seven, student A shares with staff that they would prefer not to be referred to with she, her pronouns, because that is not how they have felt for their whole life. They would like to try a different name. So we start allowing student A to be called student B. No problem. Student A is adamant, adamant that this not be shared with home because they will not be supported. They ask to use the pronouns they, them. No problem. Every single time that student A's parents were getting ready to come for a meeting, whether it be for parent-teacher conferences or any other reason, student A shares with us, comes to us to make sure that we understand that we must refer to them with she, her pronouns and by student A, the name student A instead of student B. We assure student B, don't worry. We know we will refer to you as student A. We will use your given pronouns that are in the system. Don't worry. Parents of student B share how student A is so anxious about school that every time parent-teacher conferences come up, they are terrified and worked up into an absolute emotional meltdown because they're terrified that teachers are going to share with parents that student B is doing terrible in school. Do you know how hard that is to hear as a teacher? To know that the reason that student B is likely as worked up as they are is because they are terrified that we are going to mess up and call them student B and use they them pronouns and out them to a family that they know is not supportive of them. That is where we are. Gender affirming care is not about going around and talking about gender reassignment surgeries and sexual acts. It is about providing a safe place for kids. Student A is a real student that I have encountered at one point in my career. I wish that all students felt safe sharing with their parents who they really are. The reality is that not all kids are. And for those who keep shouting from the rooftops, this is only to be introduced by parents. I ask you to consider what that message is sending to your kids, especially if they are feeling somewhat different. And if you know that your kids are cisgendered straight kids, 
and they have never had the experience of feeling this way, then be thankful that they have always felt like they fit in. Not the case for every kid. Please listen to those of us who are in schools, who are actually confronted with these heart-crushing situations. Please understand, this is not about introducing things at an age-inappropriate rate. It is about keeping kids safe. And just some silly, silly stuff, because I can't even discuss that. It's so goddamn frustrating, man. What the fucking shit in hell is that? Here's uh, <clears throat> PETA. She died for your wing. Then merry-go-rounds? Not horse around. PETA is calling on the CEO of Chance Rides to end its production of animal-themed carousels in order to create a more just and merciful world. See, this is when they lose me. Because for God's sake, I'm man, I'm 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 in. All right, I'm. Sometimes when I see those chicken trucks come by, I fucking oh Jesus Christ, that's so mean. The legs are broken. They're shoved in little boxes. It's fucked up. I still eat chicken because that's the only protein I can eat. I can't eat red meat because of this COVID thing. But it is mean. It's very mean. So I get it. And then last but not least, and I didn't get this, but this picture of course we covered um during uh the time that it came out about the kid in the chief's outfit and they they defamed him well the family's suing deadfin deadspin over blackface allegations which is just fucking insane the kid He's happy. His chief's going to the Super Bowl. Leave that fucking kid alone. Stop being an idiot. All right, we're going to go to our This is America. We have two sound bites. One of them is Stephen A. Smith going the fuck off about the economy, which if you lost Stephen A. Smith, you fucked. And then a, and where was this? New Maine bill would establish a state office to help illegals integrate. And when questioned, what about resources for vets who are in the street on drugs? Representative Deka Dahalak explains that illegals deserve priorities over veterans. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. So you can pick and choose. What it came down to for me is this. I see homeless folks in the streets of New York all the time that are American citizens. I damn sure see them in California. We've got poor, impoverished, starving people who were born and raised in this nation. How in the hell do we come up with a $53 million pilot program for illegals but folks who are here legally are born here. We don't have enough for them. Just like we could come up with billions for Ukraine. But somehow, some way, we can't fix the homeless problem. I'm down for helping Israel. I'm down for helping address the situations with the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Okay? I'm down for helping the Ukrainians and fighting off Russia. What about poor and desolate citizens here? How the hell do you print money for foreign countries? 
but you don't print that money to help eradicate folks that are starving right here in the streets of America who were born and raised here. This is what I'm talking about. And so when you have something like that, what's the one way to eradicate it? Yes, you got to have a flourishing economy. Yes, you can't have inflation. Yes, you can't be on the verge of a recession. Milk don't need to cost $7. Bread don't need to cost $5. Don't get me started with how much sugar costs. You can talk about employment all you want to. You can talk about the labor participation rate. But guess what? If you ain't making no damn money and you got to get two jobs to pay the same prices or to buy the same amount of stuff that you used to buy and the price is higher than it used to be because of inflation, then guess what? What are you really accomplishing? That's why Trump is on the verge of getting elected, reelected. What about the military folks that are getting out of the military and they have to go through all the lines to start all over again, even though they have credentials? So my question, pretty simple, why would we fast track them and we won't do it for our military? They have the advantage of speaking the language, most of our military folks. So these folks that we're really working on may not have that. So it's going to be really difficult for them to say, yes, I used to be an uh, electrician in my country. I'm just using mine, which is Somalia. But that might not really fall into our laws that we have in this country. Besides having major implications for Israelis and Palestinians, this is also a big moment for South Africa, and frankly, the global South as a whole, who after decades of feeling unappreciated by the UN, is defining its place on the world stage, standing up not just to Israel, but to the United States and to other Western superpowers. Joining me now is Akbar Shahid Ahmed, senior diplomatic correspondent for the Huffington Post. Welcome to the show. Uh, Akbar, I've been wanting to have you on. Give me your assessment as somebody who has some expertise in this area of how big of a deal this ruling is. Thanks so much for having me, Joy. And I'll say as someone with expertise and also someone who grew up in the global south, this is a huge moment. There is such global frustration and frankly confusion over four months in President Biden having not changed course as the death toll in Gaza has increased, as allegations of war crimes have come in. So for people who have been alarmed by this and have felt, you talk to us about human rights, about the international rules-based order when it came to Ukraine, what about brown people in Palestine? This is a huge moment. I'd say the judgment is also really important in that it says Palestinians in Gaza are a protected group which is really important because there's a lot of denialism over the idea that Palestinians are a group at all. The court has essentially said that's not true. And I think for Israel and the US, what this essentially says is they are going to be facing charges of genocide for years to come, right? They are going to be publicly and legally associated with this, which is a huge burden to bear. And especially for Israel, a state founded in the shadow of the Holocaust, it's a Added in an MSDNC soundbite I forgot I had with it being racist and being akin to supporting Russia if you support Israel. Really? This is our lighter fare today. This is kind of interesting. I got a soundbite I'm going to play from Black Rifle Coffee, which is really nice, but a personal one. This is a picture that I had hung over here on the wall forever. It was on a big piece of paper. Used to be in the old podcast booth downstairs. And I thought... It was this. This was the original, which I carried with me forever. It's faded. The back's 
duct taped and it's old as shit. So I took that thing down yesterday and if I zoom this in, this is a note from my wife, my girlfriend from 1986 that I didn't know was on the back of this picture. 1986 was put in a picture frame I pulled it out of the picture frame and I put it and acetated it to save it because it was the last one that wasn't faded from her high school pictures and on the back she says this is a picture of me doesn't really look, I don't really look like it anymore I just want to know I want you to know that I, you're a really nice guy and I really hope we continue to see each other because I really really like you GG with the heart that made my day. With my anniversary coming up in April, I thought, what a neat freaking time capsule. That letter on the back of a picture that was hanging on a fucking piece of paper for fucking ever. And I thought this was the original, but it wasn't. So that is now in safekeeping and it'll always be protected because that's pretty badass. To our lighter fare from... Black Rifle Coffee, a listener or a consumer wrote a letter and they went and met him. I'm not sure if everyone's seen this video, but it has been sent to Black Rifle Coffee by hundreds, if not thousands of people. Um, check it out. My son is 12 years old. He loves the military. He loves veterans. He loves Black Rifle Coffee. He wrote a letter to Black Rifle Coffee Company. My name is Tatum Toombs. I'm a 12-year-old from Tennessee, and I love your coffee, your videos, and content you make. I love guns, coffee, and pet fish. I would really like it if you could write me back. I know more than likely they're probably not going to see it, but it would make his entire world. So I was thinking about writing Tatum a note, but, you know, in Black Rifle fashion, I said, we, we can do a lot better than that. So uh, we decided to fly all the way to Tennessee and surprise him. We are about to surprise a young man named Tatum and hopefully uh, make this uh, young man's, as the mom said, year. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Let's go. Let's go. So I traveled from Texas because I wanted to say hi to you. <laughs> I heard there was an amazing young man that wanted to meet someone from Black Rifle Coffee. Oh my God. <laughs> How you doing? I'm at. I'll introduce some friends. This is Daniel. He's a SWAT officer at Manchester, Tennessee. He works with us directly. How do you feel right now? I don't know what to say. One moment I'm playing NASCAR, next moment I'm... <laughs> and since you play baseball, I'm going to let you unbox that. But that is a custom Black Rifle Coffee baseball bat. Hand engraved wood. That's a pretty cool one. I don't even I don't even have one of those. Here's a signed book for me. And it's yours. Also here is, I don't get these out ever. This is a founder coin from me. Now you gotta turn off the garage lights. Oh yeah, looking good. And Tatum, it was an absolute honor to meet you. Uh, I'm so excited that you want to join the American military and serve your country. God bless you. And uh, remember what I said uh, I was going to invite you out to do. 
I had a whole TikTok statement on Taylor Swift, and my God, the the Grammys, people freaking out about that. There was her Tokyo thing, people freaking out about that. The Super Bowl, freaking out about that. It's another sign of how obsessive we are on stupid shit. I mean, just everything that she did at the Grammys was analyzed, and she's a drunk, she's an alcoholic, she's on drugs, she's cheating on him. They're going to get married. He's going to propose at the Super Bowl. She released a song. It's about Joe, her ex. It was just insane stuff that I was watching going. How can somebody obsess so many people? It's got to be witchcraft. I saw that thing with Arts of Skills, and they had a whole thing with her, Ariana Grande, Beyonce, they're all in this picture bowing to a wicked thing. And they don't have one of Taylor Swift, but they believe it's witchcraft. I don't think it's witchcraft. I just think we really need to grow the fuck up and stop worrying about what a 34-year-old girl is doing. because She's not a woman. She acts like a girl. And maybe worry about her own life. It's really sad. I go on Reddit a lot now. Because it was initially to do, um, you know, checks on stuff and read about the Swifty stuff and, and learn what the fuck all this was about. Because I don't understand the obsession with everything she does. But when I got in there, I found all sorts of interesting things from young people putting up their relationship stuff. And my boyfriend committed suicide. I found the notes of my boyfriend who was going to commit suicide, but he didn't commit suicide. Now I'm hurt. My wife finally admitted to me that my fourth child's not mine because she got gangbanged. Just stuff they put online that in a million years I would never do because it's so fucking embarrassing. They do. And how relationships are very tenuous and how people really just talk about everything as anxiety. It's not just climate. It's life is anxiety for these kids. And it's really sad. And I feel partly responsible because we were, you know, we raised our kids in a vacuum. We, we gave them everything they ever wanted. We babied them. We, we didn't prepare them. One turned out all right. One's a total classic nut job. Um, but it's sad. I mean, just reading this stuff on Reddit, man. And I know some of it could be fake and some of it's just made up, people wanting attention. I get it. But just wading through the Taylor Swift subreddit of how people live through everything and then reading the hate of her outfit or her hair and we're talking thousands of comments of fans and women just dogging her and eating her alive and calling her a whore. And these didn't help us. None of this helped us and made us worse. I mean, it really did. It's kind of sad when you actually read it and you step back and, you know, like me, I don't have an attachment. I, I don't have a fandom or president or really a team anymore. I mean, I root for the Packers, but they suck. And the Ducks are never going to win the national championship, so I don't really get that invested anymore. You know, reading this stuff, wow. It, it's sad. 
we really have a lot of issues and we we need to work them out so that wraps up another episode of flyover politic podcast you get on soundcloud flyover politic with k email podcast at gmail.com f-o-p-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com you can find the video flyover politics on rumble 482467 odm old dude music reviews on 553-2123 and get the same audio on soundcloud Disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs. We'll go with the next uh, ODMs on the 14th. So we'll go the 15th with the next Flower Politic. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Hope the 49ers win. I hate the 49ers, but I'm sick of watching the Chiefs win. So I'm rooting for the 49ers because I like to see somebody else win. They've already won too many goddamn times. But I don't. Also, kind of hope the Chiefs win because then everybody can go into the conspiracy theories that they only did it because Taylor Swift's dating Travis Kelsey, and that's why they won. Because I've seen a lot of those posts too. It's kind of moonbat. I don't think the NFL could rig all this, folks. It's too hard. People wouldn't go along with, we're going to lose, so Travis Kelsey can propose to Taylor Swift on the 50 yard line after the Super Bowl. I just don't see that happening. It makes a lot of money. I got it. I see, you know, I see some really. Moon bat, well thought out post. That if you literally put on some tinfoil, you're like, hmm, that does make kind of sense because a lot of people are making money off the era tour and he makes a lot of money because all these women think he's hot. Although I watched his Saturday Night Live last night, I didn't think he was that funny, but it was like he was the greatest comedian ever. I think it's because he's good looking. He wore the weirdest suit, it was a double suit with two sachets going across his crotch. They're like two long pieces. I don't understand his wardrobe, man. I don't know where he gets his clothes. It's just very bizarre. Women like him. I get it. The paint splotches and the dove thing. People think it's hot. But I just don't understand where he gets his clothes. Maybe they make him for him. That's probably it because he's a modelish dude. But I didn't think it was that good an episode. I didn't think it was that funny. When I really watched it because it came on instead of a real one because they took the week off. It wasn't that funny. He just looks good, which I guess that's good enough, isn't it? It is. All right. As always, thanks for listening. Take care.